tuning in to the Catch Podcast. Brought to you by Dark Horse Tackle. The best American small business baits you've never heard of, stocked in a monthly box. Use promo code the Catch 5 off and save $5 off your first monthly subscription to the Weekend Warrior Box. Here are your hosts, Matt Souders and Brad Hicks. Another week has passed, and you're with us again on a Monday morning, afternoon, or whenever, listening to the Catch Podcasts. Brad, how you doing? Good, dude. How you doing? I'm doing great. You know why I'm doing great? Why is that? Because I'm in this super comfy sweatshirt that has our logo on it. Dude, those, those are pretty sweet hoodies. I'm glad you got those made. Dude, I'm, I'm they're sick. And for everyone asking for merch, stand by. It's coming. Ho- hopefully. It's hopefully. in the works. Well, it's in the works. Something something is coming guaranteed. Just don't know from who and when. But <laughs> yeah. So Brad, how you doing, man? Good. Um, well, before we get too far into it, I kind of wanted to uh, do read some of these reviews that we got on Apple Podcasts. Oh yeah, for sure. So we're gonna do this from every now and then. Uh, if you guys leave a review, we'll read it on the podcast. So we, you guys are awesome, by the way. All you guys listening, we oh. got eleven. 11 uh reviews on apple podcast ready and we got like a handful on spotify so there's three written reviews the first one comes from creek crawler so brian he says great personalities and information brad and matt make for an entertaining and educational podcast looking or listening these dudes will help out will help out fish on the bank boat or kayak he must be listening to a different podcast because I'm like three IQ points away from stupid. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, but Hey Brian, I appreciate it as always. Uh, that's awesome. That's super yeah. nice. Thank Go you. check out Brian's YouTube page. He's, he's a, he's a cool YouTube angler. He makes some good content. So the Creek crawler on YouTube and all social media platforms. Yep. Uh, next one is from Bass Kayaks and Beers. Shout out to Armando. He said, Brad sounds like a catch. Looking forward to mo- more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> you are a catch. Allie's very lucky. Yeah, she is. I hope she, <laughs> I, I hope she don't listen to that. <laughs> oh, we and both know she doesn't. The last one, I believe, is from Nick Necrelli because he's the only person that I know that says absolutely tremendous. Yeah. And he says a couple of wet boys doing their thing. Hashtag wet boy nation. So wet boy nation till death, man. There you mm. go. That was awesome. Uh, so before, again, before we jump too far into it, I'm uh, trying to see something real quick. Housekeeping notes. Uh, no. Well, yes, it's yeah, but it's, it's my housekeeping notes. So I want to give a special shout out to Adam Pross, my guy. Shares our posts a ton, helping oh, yeah. out the new channel. So big shout out to you. Um, I kind of told in the it, we've only had three episodes now, but I kind of told on the first episode, share our posts. Maybe you might get something. Maybe you won't. Uh, but Pross, I'm going to reach out to you when you hear this. I want you to reach out to me. I'm going to send you a Shimano MGL, uh, oh, Shimano Corrado MGL. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, well, you should be. Uh, great reel. I've used it. I will tell you, it's not brand spanking new. I've only used it two or three times. I was going to do a review on it. Uh, I did the review on it, and now I'm paying it forward. So when you hear this, Adam, 
after you've dutifully shared our post, like you always do, appreciate it again. Uh, hit me up on Instagram, send me your address and whatnot, and I will get this try to try to get this sent out in a timely manner. As uh, River Smalley Son from Canada knows, I sometimes can take my time, so I apologize, <laughs> but I promise you're gonna get it a little sooner than normal. So, oh man, shoot that address over to me, man, and we'll uh, I'll get this sent out to you. Sweet. And then the last few things we have here, we got some notes for Dark Horse Tackle. Uh, yes. They got the quarterly boxes drop July 9th. There's only five left. The cost is $155 with a $187 value. Mm-hmm. And one boss, uh, one box will come with a clutch boss bait. And then um, the quarterly baits include Expedition Silly Sally, Black Dog, G2 Shell Shack, Shellcracker, Beastie Baits wooden five inch spook style one knocker. So sounds These like some baits cool stuff. are sick. Yeah. I've already seen them. I'll be getting my box, um, but definitely with only five box being left, guys, you guys need to get on it because these are some of the best small business American baits customs that you can get. And one lucky guy is going to get the clutch boss glide, which I'm really butthurt about because I kind of want that, <laughs> but I'm not going to get it. One, dude. I would, he's out of stock. Oh, I would just buy one, uh, but it's sick. So you're getting great value, just like the regular weekender boxes. This quarterly box is awesome, and it comes in a wooden crate. Wooden crate that you can use for display or anything else. You want to uh, quick recap our uh, river trip this past weekend? I do because it was dope except when we got poured on like three times. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't even like poured on. It was like the sky sneezed really violently for five minutes and then yeah. no way. Enough to get soaked. I, uh, like immediately. Like yeah. I had a videos that didn't make a video that's coming out, but it was like literally me talking just, yeah, so this is what I'm, and I was like, okay, this is great. <laughs> I love it. I love being cold. It's great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was, I mean, it was a good river float. We caught, we didn't catch a ton of size. I think we both got a 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a bun- you caught a bunch of, you know, 10 to 15 inch fish. I caught a bunch of 10 to 15 inch fish. And the winner of the day was the tube. Yeah, the Black Rock uh, custom baits tube, three and a half yeah. inch. No, yeah. what was it? Stupid tube rig. That's the stupid tube rig. Yeah, it was a stupid tube jig head with a three and a half inch green pumpkin tube. The only reason I had it is because Brad had extras because I didn't bring my plastics box with me or bag with me. And I was like, I don't need it. I should have brought it. I'm an idiot. Uh, but I, we, I got most of my bait or fish on that. I got one fish on a crankbait that he sideswiped it and I like hooked mm-hmm. him in the face. It's weird. Um, and then the fluke did a little bit of action, especially the walking the dog. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was funny, which uh, guys go to go to our YouTube channel. We, we have a YouTube channel. We're uploading these podcasts and we're also bringing you video content. So mm-hmm. uh, me and Matt got video of this trip. So you'll be able to see that here in the next couple weeks or so. So be on yeah, the I'll say for that. It comes out, and then we're going to be doing some review videos, um, some breakdown videos, just little ons and ends, nothing like, you know, we'll have some longer videos twice a month or something like that, and then the yeah. little or shorter videos. Uh, and I promise it's all PG. If you want to see us on another website, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, we covered Dark Horse stuff. We covered everything. Uh, you want to talk about the river trip on your side a little bit? 
no, we you hit it, dude. I I just crushed them on the tube that day. I caught a ton of them. So oh yeah, a seventeen and a half, sixteen and three quarter. Uh, it it was a fun little trip for whatever. How five hours, six hours we were out there. I think it was like six hours. We put the Newports through their paces. I think we hit every rock on that stretch we could find. Uh, to the point to where it hit, I hit a rock so hard it made my motor only go 50% until I oh, reset yeah. it on the water, which took us like 10 minutes because we couldn't remember how to do it. And I, I thought I screwed my motor up because I didn't have forward, I only had reverse. And I was like, this is great. I got to paddle like half a mile up this upstream now. <laughs> uh, but no, we got it fixed. But yeah, it was, it was a fun day. It was a nice little kind of chill day fun. where we just had fun. And Brad hooked me up because I forgot my lunch and he brought me an Uncrustable. For those who don't know, I love Uncrustables. So. <laughs> He does. <laughs> I do. But all right, dude. I want to get into this episode because I'm pumped. Uh oh yeah. We we've been uh talking with Drew Gregory for a little bit, trying to get this set up. Last week uh his son had a tonsil surgery, so we got we pushed it back Ooh. a week just to help him out. But we're bringing on Drew Gregory onto the show for the third episode of the series. What's up, Drew? What's up, guys? Good to be on. Heck yeah. So how you been, brother? I've been good, and I've got uh, two comments because I've been listening so far, watching, listening. I haven't had a chance to go back and catch up with you know one and two episodes one and two, but I will. But so the intro, pretty sweet. Whoever did the intro, you know, kudos to whoever did that. All right, so Brad, there you go. The yeah. uh, the real sound, it sounded like the old video games, you know, with the spinning reels, just still like that. You yeah, know, yeah. If you pulled in some audio that was from an old video game, <laughs> the fast fishing video games, like. It was awesome. Brought back we, memories. So that we was actually cool. got we, we got the sound professionally recorded from somebody. And then I made yeah. the video to go with it. Nice, nice. That was awesome. But it's man. seamless. I don't think yeah. I've told you, Brad, yet, but it is it's awesome. That intro yeah. is money. <laughs> so good job. Appreciate it. That is I know great. I'm kind of proud of it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. So you guys are starting off on the right foot. Good to see that. And then the next thing I had to say was I actually stayed at the same hotel with the Dark Horse Tackle guys during the Columbus Fishing Expo. Oh, that's cool. You know, Dustin and uh, all of us over at Raccoon Creek. And I don't think Mark from Loveland was there at that hotel, but maybe. Anyway, um, he but we all stayed there at the hotel and hung out with those guys at the bar a little bit. Talked to them one night and it was just a really, really good time. And they're really good dudes. Like I have to say, I was really mm-hmm. impressed. They were just so chill, down to earth guys, mm-hmm. and just trying to do something really cool. And I like that whole, you know, American made, small, small businesses sort of thing. That that's that's a unique twist, but it's a needed twist in that space. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely wanted to say that's an awesome uh, sponsor you guys have with those guys. Yeah, I, I love Zach and Josh, man. They're they're cool guys. Oh, uh, for sure. They they. Ever since I first met them, I, I just always thought that was a great idea. Just custom baits in a monthly box. Mm-hmm. Like me and, Matt, me and Matt's talked about it before, compared to like the mystery tackle box or lucky. It's like a it's a no-brainer. If you're subscribed to those other ones, throw them out. Go with Dark Horse. <laughs> like oh, most, yeah. most of my baits are like these small business companies now. Like I, I use Z-Man and z-man and you know, <laughs> a bunch of small bit di- different bait companies it's cool oh uh, yeah and i mean that people don't realize because z-man is a big name big brand but they're just right there in lats and you know charleston south carolina and mm-hmm. one of my biggest sponsors probably been with me oh man it's we're double digits for over a decade i'm sure but they're um they're not as big as you'd think they're mm-hmm. definitely growing and have gotten a lot bigger since i started but they're just 
most, you know, all their stuff is made in the U.S. right there. You know, some things you can't at their at the volume of baits that they do sell. Some things have to get made, or you just can't even make money on them. You know, but yeah, most of their stuff, their all their plastics for sure are made there, and uh, so most everything is done in the U.S. wherever they can. And of course, not just done in the U.S. The plastic and the technology in it is, I think, it's a very kayak friendly and U.S. sort of mindset of it's eco friendly. So it's not going to you know, it, it may take a longer time. It's not like necessarily biodegradable, isn't the term, but it is yeah. not going to leave any toxins and stuff like that. So, and, and they float. So, you know, you can get those out of the water uh, pretty easily whenever you lose one, un unlike something yeah. else. So, yeah, definitely a good company um, as well. So, that's cool. Shout out to the uh, to start things off here. <laughs> Before we get too far into the episode, you want to do a little inter introduction. This is a new show. Nobody, some somebody listening might not know. Who yeah, you are, so. yeah, I'll do that. But before I do, want to back. I want. I forgot something. I want to say, and I and I, I hate that I'm going to say this because you guys are all going to hate me that I'm about to say this because <laughs> I can't say more about it. But I've seen some of the new stuff that Z-Man's coming out with, and uh, I actually just got some in the mail today, and I can't share them. But Aww. you're going to be blown away, dude. Like, I just want to shout out my boy Jose Chavez because Jose was with Thirteen Fishing when I started with Thirteen Fishing, probably like eight nine years ago and he was the marketing director and then started taking over their the the baits when they started making baits so and then right when they kind of came out jose uh got an opportunity he couldn't pass up at savage gear and he took that job and he pushed some incredible baits that he made at savage gear and then they got merged or bought out by somebody i can't remember the details but now he's with z-man as the product developer hmm. and dude the some of the stuff of the last tech that we've never seen before and some some you know it some cool things I can, I can tease. There's, you know, I can, I don't know what I can say, what I can't, but I'll just say there's, I'm not giving anything away when I say there's always a new chatterbait every year, right. With Zeman, yeah. there's mm -hmm. always a new one. Yeah. So I'm not giving anything away, but there's an exciting, you know, new piece to that line. So hopefully I'm not saying too much, but I don't <laughs> no. think anybody that's a surprise. Cause everyone, every year there always is. So I'm not saying anything out of turn. Yeah. And then there's we'll a last, a, one of the new, some of the baits have already been posted on their, on their Instagram. So go check those out. Okay. There's a new, um, I think it's, uh, oh man, I wish I could think of it now. Um, the name of it, but it's a, uh, a chatterbait. I'll look it up It's a chatterbait trailer they came out with. Right. That's, mm -hmm. it's really good. And, uh, I want to say it's called, uh, I'll look it up just so I, I heard it about right. it on a podcast today, actually. Really? I did. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to tell you the name of it. They have some new micro finesse stuff there that they showed off already as well. It's really cool. Uh, but the new chatterbait trailer, chatter spike. The chatter yeah, spike. The chatter yeah, spike. there you go. Chatter spike. I'm so pumped that's for that. pretty cool. But um, but there's another Elastec bait that I'm just like, and I've seen their promo video for it, and it's like I I it's only like 50 or 30 seconds, but I swear to you, I've watched this video like 30 times. But I just can't <laughs> stop watching it. It's one of the best little 30-second awesome. promos. So if anyway, just we'll we'll hype hype that up real quick and then um, yeah. get back to it. But uh introduction as far as myself i mean honestly there's uh, the shortest version is just i love the kayak fish and i loved it so much back in 2004 when i when i started uh kayak fishing well so back in 2009 that kayak fish for five years uh after doing it for five years i was like man i could this is kind of a young sport i think i can make a, a living out of you know doing something within kayak fishing and i I built a brand. I didn't know I was building a brand. I was just posting on forums back in the day when there was forums, right? Yeah. And we didn't have social media that, that kind of destroyed most of those. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, yeah, I just 
was building a brand, didn't realize I was, and kind of was getting people contact me about, you know, hey, we want you to use this product or that product, this paddle, this life jacket, whatever. And uh, eventually just teamed up with Jackson Kayak to design, a, you know, the first Kusa, which was my signature series kayak, which kind of, uh, and I started the River Bass and, you know, forum, that, that well, website, and then forums and brand because I love rivers. So it kind of got sponsored then just had a signature series boat, started designing boats. And then next thing you know, I'm like doing a TV show hooked on wild waters and I'm designing all these kayaks and getting all these other sponsors. And, and uh, then I started fishing competitively in tournaments here in the last few years more so. Um, and, uh, you know, I ran that river bass and tournament trail for, for eight years as well. So done a lot man and zigging and zagging always doing something new working on some other stuff behind the scenes i can't really get into now that we're definitely gonna have to come back on the podcast later this year to talk about like trust me i'll make sure you guys one of the one of the first as well so it's gonna be some hot new stuff going on um but yeah it's been a little a little quiet lately but spending time with the family enjoying life Mm -hmm. and had a last year was such an incredible year i know we were talking about it before we got on with uh, angler of the year for for bassmaster and just went in so many, you know, several, many times. I don't know how many times, really four, five, or six, depending on how you consider the a KBF weekend when you sweep it. Is that is that is that three? Is it just one? I, would, I don't know. I would say it was three because they're individual events. They like, are. You don't have they to are. fish all of them, and because you yeah. smoked the field everywhere, I would. Yeah, say three. that's true. So so I will. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> at worst case, it's it's four. But anyway, I. I you know, three wins on the on the Bassmaster side, three in a row, and then four uh, with that weekend of KBF. But best case six. So anyway, I had a great year, but man, just I mean, like I'm getting, I'm not like a spring chicken anymore, dude. And I'm telling you, like I'm still recovering, <laughs> like literally still recovering from last year because the tournament season goes into November with that TOC for for Hobie, mm-hmm. and then. I was exhausted from everything from the KBF national championship to that whole protest deal, like everything that happened, I had to defend. And of course that got overturned and my win got, you know, reinstated and it was just so exhausting. And then the kids are young and they're exhausting already. I'm still recovering and just taking it easy this year and uh, still fishing tournaments, of course, but working on these other projects and doing stuff with Crescent and just, we'll see what we'll see you guys in a few months to maybe talk about some more stuff. So (laughs) Heck yeah. I'm excited that's, already. That's about it. But anyway, I just said do the loves of kayak fish, guys. So that's <laughs> here. Here I am. I like to fish rivers and creeks and wild places. So I assume we're going to talk about something like that today. But oh, uh, yeah. oh, whatever yeah. you guys want to do. Yeah. Um. So I actually introduced Matt to your TV show a few weeks ago. He mm-hmm. never knew it yeah. existed. I didn't know yeah. it existed, and I'm like hooked. It was cool. It was, <laughs> that was a cool show. Yeah. It was hooked on wild water. See, no pun there. You're hooked. Yeah, I'm about to say I try yeah. to sneak it in there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> um, no, that's cool, man. Well, we can talk about the show and the wild places. I mean, that was, you know, been a while, but it's it's always it's what I still do to this day. It's why I got into kayak fishing to begin with, and it's how I approach tournaments. Mm-hmm. I want to fish wild places, and and that's you know I know there were some rule changes and stuff in the tournament scene. And uh, it's debated or you can argue whether or not, you know, everyone calls it the Drew Drew Gregory rules. And if that's a, a compliment or if it's a I don't know, but <laughs> people say that, it, you know, Roland Martin and Ott Defoe and all these guys have had rules made. Then, yeah. yeah, sure, I'll take it that way. But either way, if I ever cannot fish wild places or if it gets where it's not fun anymore, like my love and passion for fishing, like I did in that show, Matt, like the wild waters, and those, that wild stuff, which is 
FYI, and I think you guys and most and a lot of people got into kayak fishing. If that if I can never do that in a tournament setting, I don't care how successful I've been and how much money you could win. You know, if you're one of the top guys or not, I'm going to just quit doing it. I, I mean, it's, you know what I mean? Cause mm-hmm. my, mm-hmm. my passion for fishing those wild places is greater than my passion and love for competition, which I do love too, but the other one outweighs for sure. So. Gotcha. Yeah. For well, sure. um, I know I, all right, let me start off by saying we promised the listeners a little sports talk, and I actually got a message oh, yeah. from a couple people already. <laughs> One guy was like, Steelers, uh, he said, Steelers talk, welcome. I was like, okay, well, that's easy because I'm a Steelers fan. Matt won't mm-hmm. like it. No, but I won't. Draft Warren. Right. Draft <laughs> Warren in your fantasy. Like, he's going to be like this this sneaky, like, you know what I mean? Low own, like, get him late in your draft. Like, dude, if – you know, now she yeah. ever goes down, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be a stud. Plus, I think he's going to, he's got a role. He's carved him, himself out a role with that time he got to play last year that he's going to, he's going to be sneaky good. So I, I'm, I mean, I can talk NFL. Maybe. I can talk fantasy stuff for sure. It's when I'm, yeah. you know, college football, whatever you guys want to do. Well, but, you, you got a sports background. So I kind of wanted to hit on that first and then go into yeah. a little bit of football. So what, what what's your background? Uh, my background is basically I, I got a master's degree in sports management and, and because obviously anyone who gets a degree in sports management loves sports. So kind of follow them all. I love them all. I just got to alert just, just right now, just buzzed in, you know, the Braves are beaten <laughs> yeah. my Braves. See, I grew up in Atlanta, so I'm still a Braves fan back when they were incredible and they're still good now, but they went obviously Braves, when man. I was a kid, that's when they worst to first, that whole 13 Fred years. Yeah. Exactly. Maddox. All, yeah, Maddox McGriff, Avery oh, Tom Glavin. Like, oh, that, bullpen, that bullpen was stacked. It, yeah. yeah, it was unreal. It, so, yeah, I just love, you know, kind of all sports, which is why I got that degree. Which, but The funny thing about that degree is, again, it's a master's program. I got it from Georgia State. And there was only like four or five places in the entire country at that point that offered a sports management master's degree. Probably not that many that offered undergrad. But now it's like – Everywhere, all over the whole country, you've got a sports management, you know, uh, major and all the the players, you know, all the mm-hmm. players <laughs> are, of course, like football players and everybody that's like most of them are like in that, you know, that major. Mm-hmm. But um, they at the introduction to sports management class, they said to us, they said, OK, this is your this is one on one. It's the first class. So you, you still have time to like uh, let's. That's the word I'm looking for. Like not like unenroll, like whatever, get out of mm-hmm. whatever, <laughs> get <laughs> out of this. Encourage your students. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's like, first day. Just quit. It's fine. <laughs> basically. Yeah. They were, they were saying, look, everybody here loves sports. Everyone wants to work in sports. You're about to go through two years of this program, spend whatever amount of money to get your degree. And then the Denver Broncos are going to offer you like $30,000 full-time job to work for them and someone's going to take it with a master's degree with all that education because it they feel like it's worth fifty thousand dollars just to say you work for the denver broncos yeah. and it gets your foot in the door but the bottom line is there's sports is fun any job that's fun kayak fishing any of this stuff is sounds cool and but they're not like you just don't make a lot of money because so many people want to be in it that, mm-hmm. that the companies mm-hmm. can just lower the, their bar for, 
you know, their salaries because someone's going to take it with the yeah. qualifications. Someone's going to do it. Yeah. So, I'm learning, I'm learning that now because I'm kind of applying at different fishing places and stuff just to see. And yeah, a lot of them are offering like $25,000. I'm like, ah, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked about this before we even got on about how many yeah. elite series anglers have, yep. you know, top of the tier, like anglers in the sport have full-time jobs still. And there's, I want to say I was listening to one other major bass fishing podcast recently. I don't remember which one. They're, they're like 25, 30 guys between MLF and Bassmaster Elites that actually make a, a, a living and a decent living, uh, you know, fishing like professionally. They're all doing stuff on the side and, you know, mm-hmm. and still yeah, working remember, full-time jobs. So I remember when I really was like, I was like, man, you know, I could get on the the tours, maybe the Toyota, like, you know, just do this the rest of my life. And then I remember listening to, it was a podcast or I was watching something on YouTube and they were talking and they were like, yeah, so what do you do when you're not, you know, in the Bassmaster League? He's like, oh, I'm a plumber. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Why is he a plumber too? And then he goes into like, yeah, I mean, even if I win, a lot of that money goes to expenses and XYZ. And I'm like, well, that sounds terrible. Yeah. So then I kind of just worked retail the rest of my life. So. <laughs> But it, sorry to derail us though that, but yeah, like we can talk to whatever sports. I know your, your listeners want to hear something, with, but yeah, I mean, we're, that's kind of my background in sports. And uh, I mean, I, I did run sports leagues at a university for five years. Sport, like, so I was the director of campus recreation, which means basically I ran, mm. you know, I'm over the pool, the weight center and all the, the intramural sports leagues and, you know, stuff like that. Um, that's cool. And then did that for like five years. So had a lot of experience officiating and refereeing and, setting up tournaments and leagues and and then of course apply that with that river bass and tournament trail i did for eight years so you guys froze so, maybe you're still there maybe not we're here we're here oh you're back here sorry y'all froze all right <laughs> i already know the answer to this question uh but i know matt will appreciate your answer so who's your favorite nfl team yeah man this is crazy so i mean <laughs> I don't know if you know the answer to this question because I don't sure even know do. anymore. Do what? I'm pretty sure I don't I know do. if anymore, if I even have a favorite team anymore, dude, like I'm that kind of conflicted because oh. I right, think about it here. I grew up in Atlanta. Okay. always liked the Falcons because you grew up there or whatever. But then I, I just grew up there. Like that's where my parents had me. I didn't choose Atlanta. Okay. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, mm-hmm. I don't live there. Cause I'm like, eh, Atlanta's kind of, don't really like the traffic, how big it is. It's not like, like where I want to be other parts of Georgia. Sure. But I mean, I love the shoal bass, obviously in other parts of Georgia are amazing, but then I moved to Charlotte. Okay. And that's my hometown for, you know, I was in, well, South Carolina for five years, then North Carolina and Charlotte for like 10. So then I became a Panthers fan because I'm like, dude, you know what? This, This is my town. Like I chose this town. I wanted to live here. I could move wherever I want. When I started working for Jackson kayak and I chose this, then I was like a Panthers fan. But then I move up here to Northeast Ohio and there's no way I'm going to be a Browns fan really, because they're like, it's just so hard to root for the ownership and the team. It's so okay. hard. Even when you live here, like, are you signed to Sean Watson? And, and not only signed him, you gave him the most money of anyone in the entire NFL. Like how yeah. crazy and dumb could you be? If anything, well. there's a trial for <laughs> all kinds of happy endings and stuff going on or whatever's happening and you're you should be getting a dude at the biggest discount in the, the face of the, of the earth has ever happened to any quarterback ever not the highest paid so anyway that's like it's hard to be a browns fan so i'm like conflicted because now i just am like 
pulling for my fantasy players, quite frankly. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I think my opinions changed. So, Brad, maybe I did, you know, used to be a fan of the other ones, and I've talked about it maybe on other podcasts, and it's just sort of like it's waned a little bit for all those yeah. teams. My, my love is. <laughs> well, on that note, I'm a Browns fan. Uh, <laughs> there you go. And I, I, don't, I don't disagree with what you said now yeah i really hope deshaun watson pulls some old school out of his butt because it would be great and it would be worth the money (laughs) but is that gonna happen as a browns fan i have hope but i think we're gonna go undefeated every season and it never happens so (laughs) yeah right but even if he pulls it out and he ends up being like i mean now look i'm not saying people can't change and like you you know what i mean like you should i just but i don't know that he has he's never really said anything that makes you really feel like this guy even realizes what he's done and like Uh i don't know if i can i just can't pull for it i just can't emotionally like get into that story like dude i mean it'd be different if he was like look i have like i admit i've i I did a lot of bad and talked about openly and like i am gonna my life's not over yet and i can correct it people can change and like i'm 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 gonna show you guys i have on and off the field maybe maybe then i'm like all right we all want to see a comeback we want to see tiger woods come back we want to see but man i don't know man it's i just don't know if i can get now the problem is i do like i'm a georgia fan so like football Mm -hmm. so nick chubb and like you know i always like rooting for him and anybody else's best running back in the league yeah he's he's just saying stout stout's a a low term for him yeah i see where you're coming from with uh like coming out and actually not necessarily uh, maybe apologizing you're just talking about and say hey i did this i can get better because for instance i was uh i haven't always been i've always been a cleveland brown fan like in the back of my head because my dad was a fan Mm -hmm. and uh but i always liked players growing up and i was a big michael vick fan then he got caught for dog fighting went to prison Right. When he got out, he openly said, Hey, I messed up. I'm going to, and he's gone. In my opinion, just if you look in the news, he's gone leaps and bounds to where he donates a ton of money to rescues and he mm-hmm. still does it, even though he's he out has, of the limelight yeah. now. Uh, so I understand where you're coming from. See, I've I meant on that. Yeah. I've I also got that, to the yeah. point with, with uh, athletes to where as much as I would morally condemn what they do off the field, so many of them, it's hard to like anybody if they're, you're going that way. Because, like, for yeah. instance, yeah. for your Ravens fans out there, everyone can love Ray Lewis all you want. The yeah. dude got away with killing somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. It happened. Yeah, that, on the yeah, field, still... on the field, monster. He killed some dudes on the field, too. <laughs> but I'm just saying, yeah, it's it's like that two-sided coin. Like, yes, it morally, I, I, I don't like you. But if you make the Browns have a winning season – and get to the playoffs. <laughs> I'm gonna like you. I mean, I might like you a little <laughs> yeah. bit between the between the hash marks. I'm yeah, gonna like you. Yeah. yeah. And there's 52 players, whatever it is, 50 something. Like, and not all. You know, there's a lot of good dudes on that team. Like Stefanski, I really like him as a coach. I really do. Like he's I do too. Great. Everyone I like Denzel. To get fired, but... I mean, there's a lot of good players on that team for sure, and a lot of dudes that didn't do what he what, what Watson did. So how can you, yep. you know, hate on all of them and not want them to be successful? But it's just it stinks because he is like besides the coach that's kind of the face of the franchise so it's kind mm-hmm. of like uh. but if the yeah. browns win then most people around here are happy so then you know the people i'm around are happier so i guess in, in some ways <laughs> i don't i'm kind of like i kind of root for him you know to, to win that's but. that's what i remember you saying on the podcast that's why i was yeah. like matt's gonna like your answer 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, well, I, I like to I like to see him do well. When, I mean, because I live here now, but uh, it's hard to get like really invested like Matt is. But you have that history from from youth, from childhood, and that's that's something that's hard to break. Like, like here's what's even weird. I was born in Texas, and all my family's from East Texas, and I was actually born in Fort Worth, but they were all Cowboys fans. So growing up as a kid, like, we're watching the Cowboys all the time. So Gross. I was a Cowboys fan and, until we moved moved to Atlanta, I guess, and when I was seven or eight, and you know, it took a little time to, so I don't know. It's yeah. I understand. Yeah. You get, I get it. I'm a Steelers fan in Ohio. So yeah. Gross. <laughs> yeah. That there's, Gross. there's several, I mean, and where I am is closer to, you know, I'm only like 30, 40, probably 30 minutes from the Pennsylvania border. So we, we get a lot of Steelers fans, yep. here, especially when like for a while, the Browns weren't here. And so the closest team was the Steelers. And that's why a lot of, people i know are actually steelers fans because they tell me they're like well they weren't here for a while when i was growing up so i yeah. was a fan of roethlisberger and the you know the yeah Steelers. so yep it's pretty typical being this close over here i'm probably like i mean i fly out of pittsburgh sometimes it's like an hour and 15 minutes from that airport instead of going 45 to cleveland but 45 becomes an hour, hour and 15. Once you, once, if you get any traffic, right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Hmm, I can go over there and never hit traffic. Yeah. It's an hour and 15, but it's a smaller airport. It's quicker, easier. You know what I mean? I'm like, Hmm, I think mm-hmm. I like that experience better than Cleveland, yeah. even if it takes another half hour. Well, cool. It's the same reason why people in Dayton fly to Cincinnati instead of Dayton international airport. Mm-hmm. Like it's Dayton international airports closer, but it also sucks. So you drive an hour extra to go to Cincinnati or Columbus. Either one is better than the smaller, should be easier Dayton International Airport. So, hmm. yeah, interesting. Well, um, yeah. So let's let's get into some wild water talk, man. So oh, I'm pumped. Yeah, the yeah, meat of the episode. <laughs> where where do you want to start with this? Do you want to start like how you pick and choose waters, or is are we talking about? The actual that show, or are we just talking about fishing wild waters in general? Just in general, fishing okay. In general. Yeah, I would yeah. I would say in general too, because even me and Brad, we were talking about when we were out on Sunday, because when you got your buddy in your kayak fishing, you always talk, even though you're not supposed to be allowed. Sorry, Shranko, but we were allowed to <laughs> all get out on Sunday. We were just talking, and he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna talk about like wild waters, and, you know, you know, a lot. We don't get to do that a lot." And I was like, "I mean, dude, technically we're on wild waters right now, pressured wild water." I mean, well, they yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know about that stretch. Not a ton of people. Nah, not really. Nah, I lied. Yeah, there was a there was a kayak fisher there when we got there. So yeah, <laughs> it's a little pressured, but <laughs> that's the problem with our sport, man. It really is, and it it's like rivers are and creeks are way less pressured than the the lakes with the bass boats. But even still, the fishing, if you think about it, is it's always at like an it's always going to have an inventory issue with the amount of water like if what i mean by inventory this is again like my sports kind of management background sort of talking here head let's say golf when golf got popular when tiger woods came onto the scene then people were like oh shoot all the golf courses are packed we should go there's some land over here let's go buy it and build some more golf courses Mm -hmm. okay just go build more golf courses soccer gets popular build more soccer fields fishing is always at this like this problem you're always going to cap because what happens is if the golf courses if you couldn't build any more golf courses and it got popular if everyone showed up there two things are going to happen one they're going to increase the price to make more money right because Mm -hmm. the demand is there and then all of a sudden people are going to say i don't want to do this thing this is crazy i'm not going to spend 
$500, a $1,000 for a round of golf, mm-hmm. or they're going to have so many people there that they just, it's not fun because the golf course is packed, which means you're always waiting on every tee. It's nonstop, just waiting around. It's not as fun as when you can just get out there with the boys and kind of roll through the course a little quicker and, and get tee times whenever and make it and it's less expensive. So we have this like inherent problem that no one ever talks about. That's the reason why bass boat fishing, the, the bass boat world doesn't grow anymore because some, as many people are getting out of it every day that are getting into it because they're like, I'm tired of how crowded these lakes are. The fishing sucks. The only, and the reason why kayak fishing boom happened was this wild water thing. That's how it all started. Originally it was like, Oh, but the lakes are starting to suck because they're overpressured and they're man-made. So they're not natural. So they actually, it's a whole nother podcast, but they actually always get suckier and suckier over time mm-hmm. because they're filling in silt and dirt and sand is filling in from the rivers. They're never getting better. And the only way to make them better. And then I'll quit this rant is, is uh, to let grass grow. Yep. Right. Because it's sand is burying all the set, all the, the nutrients and the good stuff that, you know, it's like a lay down's good for the first six months, right? When it falls over in the, in the yeah. lake and then it starts getting decayed and whatever. Yep. That was all there originally when they flood the lakes and then it all just gets buried and the nutrients are gone. The places for the bait fish are gone. So it just gets worse. The only way to fix it is grass because it brings more of that stuff back. Places for the bait fish to hide in, you know, the nutrients and stuff from, from that grass. But also the other way would be to put in an artificial, you know, open water bait fish like your blueback herring and stuff like that. And then yeah. – uh, where you don't need grass, but the problem is we spray grass. So we kill grass from these lakes. Cause it's not, they're not just for fishing recreation yeah, right. and homeowners. And then the, um, you know, the, the seems like the open water bait fish is the, one of the things they're doing more to keep the to overall biomass of fish in there greater. You're making an artificial ocean, but either way, they all are getting worse and worse and worse. So people leave the sport. Cause like this is so hard to catch yeah. even the elite series guys and major league fishing They're You look down the standings, they're not catching five, like all the anglers aren't mm-hmm. catching even five fish and they're the best in the world. And we, what, what, what chances some of us have that are out there, you know, or some of you guys listening, it's like, dang man, like it's just not as fun. Isn't it more fun to go in a wild unpressured, Oh yeah, uh, water, oh, yeah. unpressured lake. If you're in like, you know, Canada or somewhere that doesn't get any pressure, it's just like mm-hmm. fish everywhere. So makes you feel like more a fun. professional. <laughs> What's that? Fish in those kind of places make you feel like a professional bass fisherman. Yeah, because every yeah, time you go out, especially somewhere that's like untouched, and you catch a fish, I always think if I if I've gone to a stretch that me and Brad we we know we're like one of the only two people who fish it, and I catch a fish, I was like, man, I might be the first person to catch that fish. Yeah, like it is cool. cool. It's just cool. It is, man. It's really cool. So that's our problem. And that's where kayak fishing can save the sport of fishing. At least gives us somewhere to grow and like to go. But even Mm -hmm. like you guys are saying, you're still seeing people shockingly. And, and that's the thing, even with my tournaments, like, and last year with, with doing so well, I was seeing people at places because I'd had success the year before and the year before I was seeing people at places. I was like shocked to see people like, you know, putting in it uh, a random canoe and kayak launch or a bridge here or, or a bridge there, or whatever, like some random, you know, public spot that I was like, yeah, for no one else is probably going to be here, but it was starting to become more of the norm and get, get mm-hmm. more pressure. But anyway, people are getting into it as fast as they're getting out of it. So we're never really growing. This is the only way we have to grow. And of course it's fun because you're catching more fish and they're, they fight harder, um, you know, in in the rivers and creeks, but in terms of where do I, why, and you know, do I choose one place or the other? 
You know, it's super, it's a, it's a kind of a tough question to, to answer in some ways. Mm-hmm. Cause if you're talking about you guys listen to this podcast where you're probably going to fish within an hour or two of your house, you know? So right. if you're doing that, no matter where you live for me personally, it might be like, Oh, I want to go catch a lot of the rare black bass, which I'm a fan of fishing for and catching like your shoal bass, for example, in Georgia, it's a bucket list fish that everyone needs to you know catch. Obviously we named that crescent sholey after the, the shoal bass. I want to catch and that's yeah, a cool too. fish. Then catching even like the, the Swanee bass, the red eye bass, the Alabama bass, you know, all the, all those different fishes, you, you know, that's one reason to kind of like go somewhere. Obviously if you're targeting a specific species, smallmouth, even though they're very, very much all over uh, a lot of the country, you're still like, that's still uh, like a factor on like why I'm going where, you know, what, what's yeah. in that watershed. So that's one reason you would go and choose. But then now how do you pick up like why that section of river or Creek that's within mm-hmm. your hour or two hour radius. And I would say to me, it's about like, I'll give you guys a little tip, a little juice here on the, on the, the show. So if you go to the far wide app, you know, um, far wide was the, the sponsor that year. I won the, um, this, the Hobie see far wide. That's the app mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. You can go there. Um, Onyx does the same thing that the hunting app you can find. Uh, but actually I don't know if Onyx does this. What, uh, the thing I'm talking about with far wide is if you look on there and you, I can probably explain it without, uh, screen sharing and showing it here. I know you guys will be on YouTube, but I'll explain it. So audio, I think you'll get it. So you can click actually on the bodies of water, the lakes in the rivers and creeks. You can, you put your cursor right on a Creek. It's blue or river. You can click on it because your, your cursor will change to a little hand symbol, right? On, on far wide. And it'll give you uh, it'll tell you the name of it, which is cool because if you ever struggled finding the name of a Creek on Google maps, Mm-hmm. It's like hard. You're like, yeah, you're trying to zoom in and zoom out at the exact yep. right distance. You're like, give me the name of this Creek. What is this place? This I was river. just doing that recently. It's so <laughs> frustrating. Well, far wide, there's two secrets on how to find out what Creek or river that is. One, you just go to far wide and find it and then click on it. Okay. And then it tells you the length in miles of that Creek. That's the other part of the tip I'm going to get into next. But if you actually want to stick on Google maps and not have to pull up another tab and pull up far wide, just go to where that creek meets the next, the biggest tributary, the next, like when it finally goes into something bigger and it tells you the name of the creek always right there, no matter how, it's like easy. It's always right there written out. Yeah. Um, but it's always, it's kind of confusing because you're like, well, if you don't know that, you're like, well, which which is this? Is that the name of the, the bigger tributary or the creek? But it's always, they always put the name of the smaller tributary right there where it comes into the bigger one, if that makes sense. So on far wide, in most parts of the country, this can definitely vary depending on where you're at with how much elevation you have and stuff like that. But if you go and you look and you click on the, the creek and it's you're I'm looking typically for a creek that will tell me because it tells me the length of that creek. I'm looking for something around 25 miles or more. Okay. And, when, and, and if it has 25 miles, then it's probably fishable. It's a big enough watershed usually to be floatable and kayak, kayak fishable, probably in that last like five to 10 miles. Uh, you see what I'm saying? So if the Creek is mm-hmm. 35 or 45, then you're going to have more probably, you know, you can start fishing that thing, you know, 45, 50 miles. You're probably going to be fishing it 25 miles down from there down to the next, the major tributary it flows into you you've got 25 miles of cool fishable water. So that's a little tip there. But the other thing you got to keep in mind with far wide, the only few little like quirks about that tool and using it that way is 
so one you could have a tr- uh, a, a creek could say it's only 15 miles right mm-hmm. and it's got a west branch of that creek that's like 15 miles on its own you see see what i'm saying so mm-hmm. when they come together so you got to keep that in mind if it's a creek and you see not that many tributaries and they're not that long they're just like you know, a mile or two, they look small. You can tell on the map, they're not going very far. But if you see another one that look, it's going far off that Creek, you're looking at, you know, to, to, to possibly fish, click on it, see how many miles it is. Start kind of adding up real quick what it is. And you're like, and you're like, mm. and then you can look at satellite image, see how wide it is. Typically bridges are the best places to look on the satellites to see kind of like what the water clarity is, kind of the, the depth, the width, it, it kind of gives you a nice little tell. Huh. Uh, but if trees are covering up, if you're looking at a creek and trees in a summertime, go to Google Earth Pro and find a summertime image. If trees are completely em- encompassing the whole thing, it's it's you know there's a chance it's going to be some dragging. It's going to be a little challenging. You know what I mean? Yep. If you can see the middle of that creek at all, I mean just to, just even if it's at all, if it's completely covered up, you see none of it the whole way. It's probably no good. But if you see like you know half of it's covered, half of it's not, you're probably golden. You know you're probably good to go. But those are kind of tips on where. And the other thing I'm, and the reason I'm starting with creeks is because start with this is sort of it was a tournament strategy strategy of mine. It was like I would go as far up creeks and rivers, even when that to the point where you know it was out of bounds water for the tournament. But I just wanted to see what kind of like water quality and life was in that mm-hmm. creek mm-hmm. way up there because then it tells you like okay, there's lots of health and life and minnows and bait fish and birds and frogs and crawfish everywhere it's easier to see and get bites like we were just talking about uh, you know catch a fish that no one's ever caught because who's fishing a creek that's it's as wide as a you know car you know what i mean like yeah, right. not, not gonna win a tournament but it it was able to tell me some cool things about okay bass are way up here and it's only the width of a car so what about down here and then you can start to get into a, you're never going to have a bad day, right? Because you're going to catch good numbers. If you're too high up on a creek or river, you're going to probably catch good numbers, catch lots of little red breast and bluegill, have fun. It's going to be scenic, and you're going to catch fish that nobody else has ever caught. Yeah. And that's just a cool feeling. But then oh, yeah. the good news is if smallmouth are in there, for example, we know – or shoal bass or, or, or largemouth or Alabama bass, those are the four that probably get the biggest of all the black bass. If they're in there, all of those species get pretty big, especially Alabama shoal and smallmouth in small water. So now that you found them and you're catching them, if you just go downstream on that same body of water, you're bound to get into some bigger fish, you know, but right. still it's pretty shocking how big of a, a smallmouth or shoal bass will be and Alabama bass even um, in some pretty, pretty skinny small water. So those are some tips on how to get started. And then of course, bigger water. I mean, you can, you know, we get into that too, but I know we want to talk about the juicy kind of like little secret small no that's backwater stuff yeah backwater we that's kind of cool though because like it kind of puts our river into perspective a little bit like up north i i've i've floated that river i haven't done very well i mean i've probably caught like a 17 and a half inch as the biggest up there but as you get down further and the river gets wider and deeper that's when you start catching the bigger fish i've never really put those two things together yeah i I, I kind of that's kind of interesting to me it is, man. And uh, you know, the other, there's so many other factors too. Like, like is there could be a may, I don't know. Cause I've never really looked at your, your river. Uh, like I'll be all secretive, like your river, like we, we anyone follows <laughs> oh, you, you know where you, you know, know where you're at, river. dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, it's like, 
there could be, and you can tell me if you think this is true, uh, a lot of times rivers will change with a major tributary comes in. Mm -hmm. That water quality, if it's draining farmland or urban or whatever, it can change where the fish want to be and the health of it. Uh, the other thing could be is the closer you get to the major tributary it flows into, you can get forage that come up from that tributary that maybe don't go all the way up you know mi migratory forage mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the fish that are bigger kind of like know that and especially smallmouth which i know we're talking a lot of smallmouth here in the rivers and waters you you fish they are known for my migrating a pretty good distance so mm -hmm. unlike largemouth being more like a homebody on this one tree this one boulder or whatever all their life or this certain section like River smallmouth move a lot. So if you do have the, you know, so that's why bigger water down closer to, you know, the next major tributary sometimes can be a little bit of a, a, a bonus, a bump too. Oh yeah. It, me and so Matt, it, we were actually talking about that, Matt. You, you mm -hmm. mentioned it actually. Uh, my yeah, that's smallmouth. what exactly what I was getting ready to say. So riddle me this. So I, I've heard from different people. That is me and Brad were out because it's a stretch of water where we if we go upstream, we usually catch fish. Mm -hmm. If we go downstream to a certain bridge, we rarely we like we might catch one or two. We know exactly where those one or Unless two fish are. Unless the river's are, flooded, Brad, then we catch them. If it's flooded, it's way different. This whole stretch completely yeah. changes. But when it's standard, a little bit down, like not we're not dragging by any means, but it's I mean it's uh, Brad I about to say you had the the fish finder out. So uh brad knows right one spot he could catch fish and i know one spot i could probably catch fish on it they're there all the time i've heard that fish smallmouth won't leave like if they're born in an area they're only going to be like within a half mile to a mile away from that spot and then you just said smallmouth are migratory going up and down rivers where where do is that your yeah. thoughts to where smallmouth could be born xyz and they could travel miles upon miles to get yeah, somewhere they else. can so there's a cool study and we'll give a shout out to uh bass fishing hq on youtube you ever seen some of his studies That's they've done on uh uh the largemouth mm -hmm. lakes like a tournament yeah fish? especially uh, they did pretty sure well, yeah they were just did a tel telemetry study which is kind of like the radio tagging radio tracking mm -hmm. for largemouth um and yeah release caught largemouth i can't remember there was definitely one that was a bit more tournament related this one was just like where you know do these fish kind of how, how far did just a largemouth move and it was kind of surprising because while most of them would stay in that cove that big major arm creek arm of the lake well randomly and this was definitely an outlier for the bigger fish they, this one i forget would like moved way far away like six miles away and spent half the year in this one other stump the same exact stump and it would move six miles back and then be right back in the same little zone it was at for like another six months three and they would like move mm. again or something like that so it can they're outliers but most of the largemouth are kind of staying kind of in the, that area where they were born right and a certain amount of it just has to do with how much food is there and competition mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Some are going to keep yeah. working their way away. The other factor is, is the lake silted in and crappy? And if they put in an artificial bait fish, they have to chase. Like, let's don't get into all the weeds. But if blueback herring on Lake Murray, those largemouth probably are swimming around like Alabama spotted bass, whatever you want to call them, on Lake Hartwell. They're just roaming like crazy after those bluebacks. Well, those largemouth, because Alabama bass aren't, infested into lake murray yet those largemouth have learned 
now that there isn't grass and or as much grass, there's willow grass and stuff on Murray, but not as much, but they've learned like, Oh, that's the bait fish that's in there. Now that's their best food. And they're, they're moving around. So it's very, very mm-hmm. like dependent. So having said that there was a, um, also a study I saw recently or a, a TikTok or something. My wife showed me about this scuba diver who became friends, friends with, this, with the bass. Yeah. With the bass. The small oh yeah. Bass. I saw that. So, that was cool. he, that so small, many people send that to me. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. I'm not, I don't really get on TikTok. I think it's all, it's on my phone, but I don't ever really get on to it and use it. Cause I'm like, man, I got too many to keep up with. So my yeah. wife will show me cool stuff. Uh, and every once in a while. And I just, watch her laugh all day as she sits there and scrolls and I, <laughs> my like, wife does the same thing yeah yeah <laughs> but it's the same same in the house too that's right but <laughs> anyway the uh that fish obviously is a small mouth it's stay it's super homebody staying right there it doesn't really go far away but so it can become very like and it's also gets crazier too because now it's like okay is there a lake are you in a section of river where there's a, cl- a lake close by because because there's like a number of lake of smallmouth that, that live in lakes that go up the rivers and creeks to spawn. So I can tell you, I know for a fact that, you know, a lot of the fish, like there's people that'll catch fish in uh, the rivers and creeks out of Lake Erie up here, Northeast Ohio, smallmouth that you cannot catch them there. Other times the, the, the river is like two, three foot deep, flat slate rock. There's like nothing there. There's no, it's like and all of a sudden in the spring, you'll catch some giant five and a half pounder out of there. And it's like, trust me, that was not, just natively naturally living there in the summer when it gets to about six inches or a foot of water at best they're moving Mm -hmm. in so that's the other thing you got to take into account some of them are it it really isn't much different than humans quite frankly it's not like some people can take their whole family and pack up and and live in a van and travel look at the jacksons i used to you know work with at jackson kayak they just tour around the, the world and it's just this is like cool right this is what they do and other people are like they, they're born in their hometown. They never leave. Yeah. It's really not different than that. Quite, and I know it's kind of like almost simplifying it and dumbing it down, but it's, it's not like they, they just, some of them decide they want to live one way and some decide they want to live another way. And it all has to do with the environmental factors around them, bait, cover, everything. And so I, it's crazy. It, it, it's, it's a mystery. And that's why we love fishing, dude. We can never yep. figure it out. But I know for a fact that some stay right there and some, they live a whole different life. And you watch that bass fishing HQ. It wasn't just that one big fish. There were other, there were some fish that got so far, they left the whole cove because they were only tracking mm-hmm. them in that one cove. And they were just way, way far away. And even shoal bass studies with uh, Dr. Salmon's uh, that has come on podcast with me and, the, and I'm good friends with, he's talked about them. I mean, doing crazy stuff like mm-hmm. moving, 40 50 60 i think 90 miles at one point one of them and even one went uh, somehow wow. went through the dam went went through the whole lake seminole out of the flint river through the lake which they don't live in lakes so you never catch them in the lake huh. the river fish went somehow it was during a flood event so there's probably a lot of current in the lake and they were they, i don't know they felt comfortable whatever reason this fish went all the way through the dam at lake seminole somehow i guess through the the, the uh, barge you know um lock through the barge lock into the Apalachicola river. And then crazy enough came back, went back through and went back up. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Me? What man? It's, <laughs> it's why we love it, dude. We can't, yeah. can't figure them out. But, but I was, I was telling Matt about that too. Uh, so there's like a stretch of river that I bring Matt to. It's in between two dams. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like you, you can only go so far in between those two dams, right? Yeah. It's six miles. Um, 
sometimes this spot's good, sometimes it's not. I just think it's based on the food source there, and if there's no food there, they're going upstream to the riffles. Yeah. Yep. And they're set up like the, it is interesting because you'll catch, like you guys are saying, you're going to catch fish in a certain spot. You know they're at. Well, that's the cool thing about river fishing, and it, it's the good and the bad. I mean, once you kind of learn river fishing, and and it's fortunately and unfortunately how much internet and YouTube can speed up someone's learning curve. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It really is. But they're going to be there for a reason because it's a good ambush point. You know what I mean? Like to I always use the example, and I, you know. If, like again, we're not we're good dudes. We're never going to do this. But if you were going to mug somebody in a dark, you go find <laughs> yeah. a dark alley. You wouldn't do it in broad daylight. You would, you wouldn't. If they're on the other side of the alley, even if it's dimly lit, you're not gonna. And you're behind one corner. You're not going to run over there when it takes ten steps to get to them and attack them. You're going to wait for someone to come right along the wall where you are. You know what I mean? Like because mm. they're going to see you and they're going to run away. They're going to scream. You know so fish the same way that these, these ambush points that they set up on the rivers with the current they're they're if they're good they're they're pretty much always good because rocks mm-hmm. don't really move big rocks and boulders and trees uh they do move but obviously once they're there if it's a big one they're not you know that is the cool thing about rivers though that that those ambush points do change with the with the yeah. wood and the silt and the yeah. undercut banks it all does continually change mm-hmm. um but if it's good, usually in our lifetime for until the next big flood event, you know, it's going to be good for another fish. If it's not mm-hmm. the same fish kind of using it, I, I'm pretty sure that the fish you catch that live there probably have a rotation kind of like we do, you know, they, yeah. okay, I'm going to go move here, move there. And then if they pull up in that spot, they like to sit and there's three or four other fish. They kind of, especially if they're bigger fish or the same size of their alphas that, of that area that kind of like, you know, scoot them off and send mm-hmm. them on their way yeah. and they leave. But then again, why are they? Sometimes they feed together in packs and work together behind the carp and behind the catfish and in yes, Susquehanna and rivers. Like they, mm-hmm. it's just like dolphins do. They're herding up the, the <laughs> all the circling all the fish and the orcas that are just super smart. That like smallmouth are like that too. So it's wild, man. And it, it so changes with the times of the year and the water current and the water levels and the way they feed. All of a sudden, now they change the bugs. Maybe in the middle of the summer, if it's like calm and clear. And there's no riffles in the water, you know, in those sections that get like real still mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they can see really good for the bugs and, and the hatches. So then they change to that. And it's like, they don't, they're not even hiding behind any ambush point. Then they're just floating out a foot below the surface, just waiting for, you know, to make their move on a mayfly or something. So yeah, uh, it's, it's crazy, man. But these wild places are where it's all happening. It's where it's at. And if it takes, if it's a little bit of work and effort guys, the other thing I would highly encourage you to look at it. And I, I love, public access and that we're getting more access to rivers and creeks that's cool but i still kind of look for places that are a little tough to get into not like crazy hard but my goodness if it takes you 10 minutes to put in somewhere because it's a little steep or a little challenging if you got a good boat like you know uh matt you got the rvr and i know brad and myself are in that shoaly they're light enough they're river boats that it's not too hard but most people don't want to do the extra work i would rather spend 10 minutes or extra or 20 mm-hmm. minutes extra even putting in somewhere mm-hmm. that's a little bit more challenging or taking or taking out somewhere that's more challenging just to have my entire day be awesome. Whoa, just through my court here, my entire day to uh, be awesome. I'd much rather do that in a heartbeat, you know, oh, even yeah. though it's going to be more difficult and most people just, just won't, even though we talk about on this podcast and how it's 
something you should probably look into doing and looking for sections like that. Most people still won't do it because maybe they don't have the right kayak for it yet. And, mm-hmm. um, but which then you but, need to go buy one of the ones we just talked about, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. most people are lazy also. Like, lazy. Yeah. They'll yeah, hit the dams say. first. And then there's me yeah. and Matt. We'll, we'll portage around like an Island that's full of nettles and stuff. And we'll regret it the whole time. <laughs> oh, we catch a fish yeah. and it. It's all better after that. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that. It, it, I mean, we will portage around a dam to where some people just get there and they don't want to, you know, drag all the way down. Like there's people who are worried. I think, we're still in that phase, especially with a lot of the kayak industry kind of blowing our kayak users kind of blowing up. They've spent this money on a kayak and they're like, oh, I don't want to drag it across the box. Yeah. Right. Man. I, the, I think it was the, the first day we went on a, it's, it's a float to where we got the portage around the dam and it's nothing but those big break your feet rocks that yeah. you're walking across. Mm-hmm. And like, we'll just grab the boats and just drag them across. Like just, there's some people who just won't aren't willing to do that or there's right. a section of water that's like really fast and you know i can understand being a little timid but if it's too fast we'll do exactly what brad says we'll see a pass around it's full of nettles and places for yep. creepy crawlies and other things to come out and bite you and we'll just drag <laughs> our boats around it and just put it on the s- smooth sides on the other end i mean it's just it's just taking the extra work to get to those fish that no one else can yeah that's true it's a good yeah. point i mean it's just there, that at least has, gives the fish some protection. The cool thing about rivers, the fish are always going to have protection from, you know, like you just said, people are kind of lazy. Some people will be lazy and won't get to these places. And then the f- amount of times it's flooded or during the winter where it's harder to catch them. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's a little tough to catch fish in the winter sometimes in a river. Mm-hmm. I mean, on lakes too, but so there at least there's some protection, you know, that the fish have. And then the other thing that I will mention, remember how I told you guys how lakes just, continue to like suck a little bit more every year typically mm-hmm. again there's they're going to ebb and flow they'll have years where they suck then they get better again but there's you know but overall it's like the stock market the lakes are always getting worse yeah. like the, the stock market or the housing market land or whatever is always kind of going up right even if it has years it's up and down it's if you look at a 30 year 40 50 whatever 100 years yeah you're gonna you're gonna make your money back you're gonna make money if you keep your money in the market lakes might have that uptick a little bit but they're generally like sucking like worse and worse so um yeah. because they're just silting in but the beauty of the river it's the way like god intended it in natural it's unreal man like it's the way this world works it's crazy it is naturally getting new nutrients in it from the flood on the floodplain. Mm-hmm. so when they call that the trophic upsurge that first 10 years of the of the lake being flooded when you have all those nutrients in there so the rivers are constantly getting this this flood, this flush of trophic upsurge because trees are falling and roots and, and oxygen is just constantly flowing and grass is growing in, the, in a lot of these rivers, you know, a good kind of aquatic grass and the floodplain water comes in the mud and the, and the nutrients, right? It's just this constant, like you can't, I mean, we can screw them up and we have because downstream of like super urban, you know, areas there, they are silted in they, the rivers, certainly aren't as good as they naturally would be. But if you ever go to places that don't, don't have, you know, and farmlands are pretty bad too for, um, and we have a lot of those in, in Ohio too, that can kind of messed up some, some rivers. But if you look at rivers that generally are still, you know, draining the natural, like they, they, they would be right. They're always like staying like consistently like good and healthy and, and alive. So at least there's, there's some good things about, you know, the, the future of the rivers and, and, the, the lazy, you know, fishermen will always be, uh, you know, off of them. Won't worry about it. Especially the guys that, 
I mean, won't even get a kayak, won't even think about doing it. They just want to be in a boat, a regular boat, mm-hmm. forget kayak fishermen. And then you got the kayak fishermen that are basically boat fishing. They have, the boats are too big and heavy to get in and access. And then, you know, the people that actually have boats that can do the rivers, but they just still put in at the easy access and don't portage. Mm-hmm. But by the way, these boats, I mean, whether it is a, a bona fide or a crescent, I know the, I can't speak for the bona fide personally, like obviously, but the crescents, do we make them out of this plastic? It's called Aqua Tough, and it's the yeah. plastic they've tested that literally is the toughest plastic to rotomold with. Period. Like it's you know, and like all rotomolding plastic stretches a little bit. You don't we don't see it, but before it breaks, it will stretch like a trash bag. Not mm-hmm. to that degree, but it does stretch. Um, but man, I'm telling you right now, like you can't. I didn't even put a, a skid plate on the Sholey because you don't need to anymore. A lot of times right. that's a fail point. Like back in the Jackson boats. You know, again, we we did a pretty good job. I mean, Jackson did a great job molding them, but we ha- hardly had like we didn't have a ton of warranties on 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 those boats. But it would be at those skid plates. But my point is, the plastic, like you're saying, Matt, you could just drag, and you're dragging them flat. You're not in the boat, so you're not putting pressure down on those rocks, right? Which you need force mm-hmm. to you need force to embed a hook in a fish's mouth, right? We need force yep. to actually dig a hole in mm-hmm. a sharp rock, and that force would have to come from weight on it. So when you're dragging it with nothing, you're not in it. Okay, like nothing's gonna happen to these boats. Like you can do it for your entire life. I could do it my whole life for that Sholey, and nothing is never going to like cut through to the whole. It's just not. I mean, we put more plastic back there, and and in any parts that may be more like susceptible to make sure it's just it's not happening. So right. people just don't know that because they just feel like maybe they do think of bass boats or other boats that are fiberglass or mm-hmm. canoes or something that's made. Like they just think. I don't want to like just all of a sudden just boom sink. It's just it's just not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah, I must say I had a buddy of mine who had <clears throat> I was talking about kayak and he's like, Well, what if you hit a rock? Because this one time I was in my canoe and I hit a rock and it just big old hole. And I was like, it doesn't happen. Like it just yeah, like I mean, not say I'm not gonna say it can never happen because there's extenuating right. circumstances like if you go down the mad river there's a good chance a piece of rebar is going to come rebar. through and yeah, go, go into your leg <laughs> yeah. like but that's that's not natural that's not a rock natural right yeah. that is that is that is a steel bar but oh, yeah. i mean yeah I'm you can you. i mean i've ran into rocks i've i've ran i've ran into i've ran into brad fine so <laughs> yeah <laughs> brad's, and brad's I, sharp and I should, yeah, I should say Brad has pointed at me, put his motor to full blast. And I did that me. this weekend. I know. <laughs> did you have a bumper boats, man? Did you have like a ramming spear, like a Viking ship? Did you have some sort of like ramming spike on the front I wasn't here? Even ready for I it. I think, did I have a fish? I think I had a fish. No, you had your phone in your hand because I remember oh. thinking like, that's going to suck if he drops it. Yeah, because oh, we're water. using using the system which are great by the way we're gonna have an episode on that here soon but like i don't have my retainer on it anymore and i'm the guy known who has lost three catch boards because i'm an idiot and i was holding my phone all i see out of the corner of my eye is green and i was like what are you doing like freaked me out and just hit me i was like this is stupid like it just scared the crap out of me but yeah red runs at me all the time my boat's fine so you know it's a win-win yeah i mean i've dropped them off the top of trailers off the top of your you know car topping and they just bounce i mean they yeah and you just can't you can't tear them up guys you really can't i would encourage people to to like use them for like what they're meant for like my toyota tacoma is it's got dents in it it's got it's beat up and it's beat up because i took it off road and i went to try to scout places that took me through some 
some stuff where I've just ran into things. And I'm not saying that's like a great thing. I'm not like, you know, excited that I did, but I was willing to put, I put it in four wheel drive. I use it a lot. I like, it's made for that, man. Like I know mm-hmm. like our kayaks are made for this. So let's, I mean, it's not a, you know, 30 or 40, $50,000 vehicle. So it's just, and again, I know it's a lot of money, $1,500 or whatever. is still a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's not 50,000 though. So let's, yeah, well. and they're not going to break like just, and they've got good warranties. These companies stand behind them. So mm-hmm. I would encourage you guys to use them for what they're made for. Cause then it's going to get you to more, you know, cool, fun, you know, wild places. Uh, yeah. Then- for whatever it's worth, like I've, I've dragged my Sholey everywhere and, I mean, it has small scratches in it. There's no big gouge in it whatsoever. And that's over a year and a half of using it. And Matt looked at me like I was crazy one time because I was dragging it over these big chunk rock. He's like, dude, that's your kayak. It, I'm like, Still? it was, well, it was big enough for me to like, look at it like that's that, that might, I mean, there's, there's some, there's some sharp spots. But yeah. this was, I don't even know if this was when I had, I think it was when I had my old town. This was a while ago. Before I really, I was real, like I spent money on a, a nicer boat. Um, and I was like, I'm not, I don't want to get it all scratched up and beat up. And after about four trips, I was like, I'm just going to beat the crap out of it. Cause it's fine. At the end of the day, it's a tool. That's how you have, that's yeah. how I look at it. Not saying that's how everyone has to look at it, but I look at it. Anything I buy, it's a tool, yep. whether it's a motor, it's a boat. Mm-hmm. I, in my, if I buy a gun, it's a tool. Like they're meant to get kind of in those situations jostled around like a computer is a tool. I'm going to use it to do the max that if I'm editing a video, if I'm doing anything, I'm going to use every last little bit of it. I can until I just can't, it just, it's a tool. You're spending the money for an investment. That's right. It's like someone told me when we started having kids, it's like, dude, your first kid, you're going to be freaking out. You're going to be so fragile. You're going to be concerned about everything. And by the time you have your third kid, you're going to, you're going to like not care. They're climbing up. You know, like whatever the bunk bed, just doing whatever, and they're like yeah. a year and a half old, two years. You're like, ah, what? You're throwing them around. You're at that point, you're just throwing them around. Like, okay, once you realize <laughs> that they're kind of like hard to, uh, you know, hard to break. Hard to, yeah, they're a little hardier than you think. That, uh, that's funny kid, because I don't have kids, but when I see somebody else's kids like climbing and stuff, I'm like, oh, whoa! <laughs> don't yeah. want you to fall. <laughs> and it's it's true, man. Like, you know, we're definitely we're more like cautious with Thea, like my oldest, you know. But then Sophia, you know, who's our youngest, she's a year and a half. And that's what's happening right now. She's doing stuff that we I'm like and we're just like, whatever. Like when Theo, when he was that age, we would have never like yeah. ever let him do that stuff. We would have kept an eye on him and been like, no, no, no. Like just so cautious, you know, and now she is just it's crazy. So it's kind of like the same thing. Mm-hmm. And once you realize that how, you know, much these kayaks can take, you start to feel more confident in taking them places that they really if they have a heart and a soul, if a kayak, if a Sholey had a, you know, <laughs> beating heart, it wants to go there. It actually wants to go there to those oh, places. Yeah. It desires awesome. to go there. You got, for the next Sholey model, you guys need to put in like some kind of technology that takes you to that spot automatically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like a, like a GPS, like a beeping, like yeah. the hotter, colder game. Like if you get closer, it just starts beeping crazy. But then if you go to like the easy put in, it like just complains at you yeah lazy 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 yeah Yeah, that's true (laughs) it's funny funny, man it it needs a certain amount of time like rubbing against the earth or it's not happy like it's like it's like scratching a dog it needs a certain amount of time like itching and dragging and hitting the bottom and but 
Yeah, you're right. It's super rare, though. You'll ever like there's some places that maybe there's a sharp rock under some rapid under the exact right conditions that if you're hitting it the exact spot to hit right into the scupper or something like where the hole is on the bottom, it maybe it could like get through it and puncture it. But yeah, yeah, not for sure. Yep. Well, it's been a fun episode, man. I, I actually took quite a bit away from that. Uh, wild waters oh, yeah. that was kind of cool but uh you got anything else you want to add oh man not really we you know well i'm sure we'll get on to more later but mm-hmm. you know like like you always got to start talking about other things and keep other things in mind with river gauges and weather and temperature i mean and, and looking at satellite imagery for the right so now you found a good section so it's like or good Creek and, and, and or, you know, maybe you're going somewhere that you don't live. You're not going to be here ever again. So how do you pick the exact one float you're going to do? So it's kind of like, now it's tricky. Like, do you pick why, you know, that upper, upper section just to catch some fish where it might be a little easier, but maybe they're not as big or do you fish down lower? I mean, there's some tips and tricks to looking at things like that and keep, you know, learning what, what, you know, we'll get into it later, but learning more about like what's what a run is what's stra- the straightaways the runs and why yep. why and when fish would use a run because fish do use all parts of the river like you guys just said at one point you were talking about a section you fish when it's flooded you catch them then mm-hmm. so see you don't catch them other times but they utilize all parts of the river even the inside bends where people think aren't productive the inside bends fish will be on them mm-hmm. and there's a lot of cool stuff we can get into another topic but just oh, it, yeah. it, it just wanted to like throw that in there that it's not as simple as you know kind of mm-hmm. Yeah, just go to the upper section and easy peasy. There's a lot looking at, you know, you always want to look at your, like, cause they say like the body, um, like the fish can only get as big as its aquarium, right? That's the mm-hmm, saying. Mm-hmm. So in the ocean, that's why they get so big in a lake, you know, whatever they can grow to that size. So, you know, and obviously they're a small little fish bowl. They can't really get so big. So having said that, there's even things I do like looking at the Google earth pro and taking a satellite image when the Creek and river is at its lowest, Cause that's actually the aquarium. That's the size you're actually in. That's the, cause they have to be able to survive that summer, right? When mm-hmm. it's the lowest. So when you see it at its lowest, now you can kind of tell, you know, maybe you got to go to some other satellite images, but, but maybe this, the summer one would work if it's clear enough. Now you can see like, okay, well, where is there still water at its lowest? Because they're not going to be too far away from those deeper holes. I think people do get sucked in and lulled into, oh, there's going to be in the deep holes. Well, they're not always, and I will say majority of the time, I think in the summer, they're not in the deep holes mm-hmm. necessarily. They're actually still near the deep holes for safety. It's kind of like they say like in a lake, like, oh, they're, they're kind of like near a deep water, like refuge, you know, they're kind of in a Creek or river when they get low like that, they're not, it's weird. They're, they're like the, at the head of it where the water is trickling into that deep hole or they're at the tail of it, but they're, and then they're in some weird spots that, that are on the other side of the, where it's not the deepest side of the, the river sometimes. And, but it's just a little log that just fell down with a little root ball. And that's about it, like a small, whatever, like basketball size root ball. And it's just tucked under some grass there. And it's like, wait, you were there, not on the other. So there's, there's a lot more to it and it's exciting. And that's why I, I think, that's why I'm always intrigued by wild waters fishing. It's how much it changes, where the fish are and uh, all the different things you got to be thinking about constantly. So that'll get you guys excited for another episode where we can talk about that and maybe some other cool stuff that I can. I'm uh, I'm already envisioning the catch podcast 
the wild water series with drew gregory we just have episodes throughout the year talking about this stuff because well i I love it b we all love talking about it Mm -hmm. and c people can get like i got something out of this me and brad were talking about making a trip to uh the for us the promised land of the river we want to go to the susky real bad neither of us have fished it we want to go but some of these tips you've already said would help us before we go because we don't know when we'll be able to make it back we can really kind of pinpoint where we're wanting to fish and maybe you know look at some areas that are harder to get to hey we're only going once let's like beat ourselves up a little bit to get to these spots and no one else has fished or using the on water app all right well yeah i was gonna say that's another app when you brought up i downloaded yeah, that what is it? Uh, uh, far wide but uh the on water app so on has a of around the united states kind of mapped with public put-ins and then some other put-ins that aren't like they're public but they're not really publicized right so you can really take down a, a river and look down at you've never been there and bing bam boom you can find put in spots and it's all google or it looks like it's google Earth nice. pro because it has you yeah. know great clarity it's a great app definitely something that's cool you know, i'm gonna check pool, that one out no, that's good I, for sure hey i'll be in the susquehanna this fall i'm fishing a Bassmaster tournament there you guys have never been no nope. said nope dude you guys will talk offline because i might be there um even like the weekend prior and then that whole week. So if you guys want to make down. a trip in the fall, dude, end of September, October, like it, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we might, I would say might work something out, man, get some, do some content together and, and just, and, awesome. and it's a section that I've never really fished be before. There's some new oh, sections. That's even out. better. So we get to kind of use some of the stuff we talked about today and then do a, do a whole recap. Like you're saying, you know, yep. in the fall on I'm about it. Oh, I'm about so it. Let's talk about it have, for sure. I'd love to have oh, you guys yeah. there. It'd be, that'd be cool. Sweet. Let's All right. Go. Well, uh, it's been a fun episode. Uh, Drew, thanks for coming on the show. Um, Matt, anything else, man? Nothing else. Enjoy the rest of your week. If you're listening to us on Monday or whatever day you're listening to us, enjoy the rest of your couple of days and uh, tight lines, get on the water, try a little bit harder and get to the spots. No one else has fished. Jalen Warren, yep. draft him. Yep. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Jalen Warren. He's a beast. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, guys. See you guys. Peace.